Be bold in prayer. If you had to uh, uh, rate your prayer life on its effectiveness, meaning, I don't care if you pray for 30 seconds a week or whether you pray for 30 minutes a day, how's, your, how's the effectiveness on your prayer? We'll just make it a simple three position. We'll just do a thumb vote this morning. So let's just go ahead and we'll, we'll start out with my prayer life stinks. Just go ahead and just put your thumb, raise it up. You're voting in front of everyone. So I want to see a couple of brave individuals, okay? So we've got a thumbs down. My prayer life is not effective. All right. How many of you, prayer life is in the middle? We got, we, we, sometimes we, we got occasion where it, it's, a, it's all right. Okay, most of you are picking the middle of the road, which Jesus says not to do. But, um... <laughs> Hey, you know what? That's all right. And uh, thumbs up. Let's go. Prayer is effective. You, you've got a rockin' prayer life. Awesome. That is, it, it, hold that up. Come on. I want you to know you are sitting around some prayer warriors, all right? All right. Put your thumbs down. How many of you want this? <laughs> See, I didn't tell you how to vote, but you knew. There you go. Here's the deal. Sometimes we don't believe that our prayer is effective because we don't have confidence in what? How many of you say, myself? Hands up. How many, you don't have confidence in God? The answer is, is you don't have confidence in God. I'm just going to call it out. I hope you don't have confidence in yourself. I, I mean, I'll be honest. I want you to have 100% self-esteem. I want you to feel good about yourself. I'm not trying to bring you down or any of these kinds of things. All right, be built up, be encouraged. All right, love you. Jesus loves you. Okay, awesome. Now. But you suck at prayer. You heard me say it. And the reason is, quite frankly, because our faith is stuck in things about us performing. Our faith is wrapped up in what am I doing and checking a box. Our faith seems to be wrapped up in, well, let me feel or let me see or let me experience. But having a rockin' prayer life one that is faithful to God is one that is obedient to God. A rock and prayer life is one that says, God, you say, pray, I will do it. And here's the deal. Prayer is incredible. It is. Prayer actually affects a lot of things. This verse here, I want you to read from Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord is far from the, from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Now again, I know many of you will go, well, I, I know that. I know God hears the prayer of the righteous, but the challenge is, is I don't think I'm righteous. Would you get over yourselves? How many of you are sinners? Go ahead, raise your hands. How many of you are forgiven? Go ahead, all of you, raise your hands. That means you're righteous. Not because you do right stuff, but because God who died in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, has made you right before God. That is declared righteousness. It means you are because God said it. It doesn't mean it's based on how you act or how faithful you are or how many prayers you offer up. It's because you're faithful and obedient. And in that obedience, God says, you're righteous. 
Uh, James 5 reminds us, therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Some of you think that healings have only happened back in the Bible times. Huh, you're wrong. Some of you have been anointed with oil. Some of you have actually had hands laid on you. And you know beyond a shadow of a doubt what was once there is no longer there. It's gone. And that's happened today. It, it's not something that's happened 2,000 years ago. God is actually alive and active. And you say, well, wait a minute. My mom has cancer and she is not cured. We have prayed and prayed and prayed, and she is still battling. My dad had cancer, and he died from it. I'm not saying that God heals every bit of cancer all the time. I'm saying that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. And I say it with all confidence because I read it from God's holy word. From 1 John 5, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of Him. But asking according to His will, now there's the challenge. Oh Lord, I'm single. Please bring a beautiful woman in my sight. I want to honor your name with a holy marriage, with beautiful children, dear Lord. If you would only bring 5'10", blonde, blue eyes, green or optional, we would so love you together. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm not going to ask how many of you have prayed that prayer because some of you are not married to five foot ten blonde women. And that would get a lot of husbands in trouble today. Here's the challenge What is God's will? You see, you ask in God's will. And it will be given to you. You see, ultimately, the sovereignty of God says, I will choose to say yes or I will choose to say no. Or I will say wait. Or I will say maybe. But I am the sovereign God and I am the ruler of the universe. And I will dictate what things are said yes to. In Bruce Almighty, right, uh, the movie, he takes on the position of God. He's got these voices in his head and there's all these prayers. He's like, i got to have an organization system. And first he tries post-it notes, right? And all the post-it notes fly in on him and the walls. And then he says, ah, email. And so all the emails come in. And it's thousands and thousands of email prayer requests. And finally he's so tired of answering all of them, he just is like, copy and paste, yes. Enter. And he's like, done. And everyone's winning the lottery, and everyone that wants to be pregnant is pregnant. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And that's not how God works. There are things that you've asked for that God has absolutely said no. And for those of you who can hear God's no and gladly accept it, 
you've later learned it's been a blessing. And when God says yes, it's remarkable. And when God says wait, it's excruciating. But I'm convinced that where prayer of the righteous starts is in our hearts. That the prayer of righteousness starts with a heart, one that is hardened towards God's law, that it is hardened towards responding to God in the way he wants us to respond. And the reason is because, well, we're sinners. Again, we're going to hit it over and over and over. We are. We are darkened by sin and shame. And if we choose to live there, our heart will become hard, it will die, and we will go our own way. And we will not listen to the Lord God Almighty. We will not read his word. We will not obey his precepts. We will not look at his law and say, this is good. No, we will go our own way. Because we are a people in need of confession. Psalm 51. I want you to understand the, con the context of this verse. This is King David. A man who is said to have his heart after God's own heart. I mean, this is the man above men. Who loves God who writes songs to God, who worships daily. And he was where he shouldn't have been at a time of the year when kings are out with the armies. And he committed adultery and then murder. And he showed a hardened heart. This is the best of the best. I mean, there are times that I read the story of David and go, what choice? What chance do I have? <laughs> King David couldn't get it right. Woe is me. I hear Paul echoing in my ear, the good I want to do, I don't do. The stuff that I know I shouldn't be doing, this I find myself doing over and over and over. Oh, wretched man that I am. That's a confession. That's what David does here in Psalm 51. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That is a hardened, emboldened spirit. That is a bold spirit that comes before the throne and says, I'm a sinner. I am completely at your mercy, God. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore me to the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Paul says at the end of it, a wretched man that I am, but thanks be to God. <laughs> That's where we want you to live in confession. Not in the doldrums of it, not in the bowed head of it, not in the I'm weighed down by sin and shame, but in the in the joy of confessing that sin and then standing upright with confidence and boldness that says, I am forgiven. I am absolutely a new creation and I have a new heart. And it's that heart, that heart that prays for encouragement and confidence in God. These next verses from Ephesians chapter 3. Now to him who is able 
to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. What this is saying, Paul writes to this church in Ephesians and says, look, to God who can do immeasurably more than you imagine, isn't that a fun little excursus to go on a little journey with your brain this morning? Go there with me, okay? What, what can you imagine would just be so incredible? And God, ten times more. Ten times bigger, ten times richer, ten times better. Ten times the taste. And I know some of you are thinking about food this morning. Ten times better hundred times better, immeasurably more than what you can imagine. God wants to give. God wants to act. Restored relationships, estranged children, bosses that don't listen, neighbors who are crass. Healing. Immeasurable. Joy unspeakable. Love from children and spouses that never ends. Forgiveness and renewal. Restoring broken relationships. God who can do immeasurably more. That's what we're talking about. And he says, you who I've made righteous, you who have confessed, I'm a sinner and can't do it. That's right. I live in you and through the power of the Holy Spirit and in Jesus Christ, you will accomplish and do great things. That's the promise. It's the joy. Now, do not think for a minute, dear Christian, that this is somehow easy. Oh, wasn't that nice? I, I just felt so encouraged today by the word of the Lord. Pastor Dyer really, really convicted me, and I confess that I'm a, I'm a bad prayer, and I pray only for selfish needs, and I'm going to do better. And gosh darn it, people will love me, like me, and I'll conquer all kinds of things in this world. Don't leave here thinking that. Be convicted. Confess your sin. Absolutely. But be ready for a battle that you have never encountered. Be ready because Satan will absolutely come to knock your block off. From Ephesians chapter 6, I want you to be prepared. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power because He is coming. I will guarantee you He is coming. Because if you begin down a path of righteousness that begins to pray for other people, Satan must attack you. And I know many of you are going, <laughs> one plus one equals two, I get it, don't pray, Satan leaves me alone, things are good. <laughs> don't be lazy, don't be bored, don't get sucked into that. Because the body of Christ needs you to be a prayer warrior, to pray Boldly. Listen to the rest of these verses from Ephesians 6. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
It is evil that assails the prayer warrior. It is the present darkness that must not let you sleep fitfully through the night. It must attack. It must assuage. It must cause pain if possible in your life. And yet, who do we have? God Almighty. I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. Right? And if we know who goes before us and if who stands behind, then we have nothing to fear. Satan, do your worst. For I shall do mine. And that means I will pray to the Lord God Almighty. And if it's standing with my head bowed, if my chin is up and my arms are raised, if I am laying flat on my face, it doesn't matter. But position says humility. And before you, God, I trust and I am your warrior. I am your son. I am your daughter. And I will pray because the prayer of a righteous person availeth much over children and grandchildren. You don't think it happens. You're sorely wrong. I have seen indentations in beds as I have walked into a room where evil was present and in the name of Jesus Christ said, you don't belong. And then you open your eyes and the indentation is gone. I have been there, friend, when a, a kid hyperventilating and needing the ER has a hand laid on and immediately calmed, breathing fine. I have seen people in the midst of intense grief, wailing, beating their breasts, who in the presence of the Word of God have been brought the peace that God promises, which surpasses all understanding. Do not think for a minute that prayer doesn't make an impact. You, Christian, are vital, necessary, and needed as we battle the present darkness that is around us. And not only do we do battle, but that we pray boldly for the gospel proclamation that has been happening ever since the early church in Acts. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now, I'm not going to condemn you this morning, but I would like to know, just as a show of hands, how many of you believe God actually still heals today? He does, friends. And who knows but that it is by your righteous hand laid on the individual that that person is healed. I pray that in boldness you pray that way. Now, God may say no. He might. But how will we know, dear Christian, if we don't pray? 
If we don't lay hands, if we don't proclaim, how do we know? Well, the gospel will never turn their heart. Well, how do we know if we haven't presented the gospel to them? How do we know if we haven't offered them forgiveness and love and compassion? How do we know if we haven't walked alongside them and been in their own shoes to know what their struggles are about? How do we know, dear Christian, that the gospel will not do what God says it will do if we haven't proclaimed it? Dear Christian... I don't care if you're introverted or extroverted. God does not care. He has people in your life to proclaim the the gospel to, to walk alongside, to hold hands with. One of the early church fathers said, I pray that I will proclaim the gospel at all times and occasionally even open my mouth to do it. There you go, introverts. That's what you hang your hat on. But proclaim it at all times. It's not just Sunday afternoon. It's not just Monday morning. And it's not just Saturday night. It is in every way and in every shape and in every place to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of salvation and life eternal. Yes, life eternal. That's what the good news of the gospel does. It impacts Everything, dear Christian. Yesterday, we held a prayer vigil. Thank you to those of you that took time out of your day to come and pray. On each of these chairs, there were up to two different prayer requests all throughout the congregation. People from far away, staff, leadership, members of our congregation, people that are neighbors to you that are not yet believers. I'm convinced, dear Christian, that We're not going to become a church of prayer until it's modeled, until it's done, until our children and our children's children say, no, this is normal. Yesterday was like any other day for me, like you. I slept in. My wife went off to work. (laughs) Grandma and grandpa watched the kids. I was free of responsibility. So I thought. Long about afternoon time, I said, you know what? I need to head on over to the prayer vigil. Going to do this. Hey, I was thinking, Mom, Dad, would you watch the kids? You know, because they're not going to want to pray. And I thought, who am I to say that my eight-year-old and six-year-old cannot pray for an hour? And I thought, well, just remember anything that you've asked them to do for longer than five minutes. And... (laughs) They've not been able to do that. But hold on. Wait a minute. Let me pray real quick and ask that the God who is capable of doing things immeasurably more than what I think will do this. And I said, Lord, if you want it to happen, sit their butts down and pray. (laughs) Rough translation. We came in. And after 15 minutes, I looked up and they were still praying. And after 25 minutes, they were still praying. And after 40 minutes, they were still praying. And at 50 minutes, I heard, are we done yet? (laughs) And they were tired. (laughs) I said, go take a break. I don't brag on my kids. I want you to brag on God who is able to do immeasurably more 
than what we could ever think. Who can take an antsy eight and six year old and burden them with the hearts and the needs of those around them. Dear Christian, it is not too hard to pray. Amen. And now may this word of the Lord strengthen your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus until his return to take us home. Amen.